Nobody steps in the same river twice, for it's not the same river, and they're not the same person. Heraclitus, 500 BC. Scriptures like that. That's why we like to reconsider our sermons. This is Pastor Mike with Adam Heath, and this is an almost weekly special edition to the ReChurch podcast. It ain't seven minutes. We call it Reflect. I'm really glad you're listening to this podcast because the content that follows is really, really good in many ways. We're talking at length about the indicators and the flags that tell us that we are living a performance-based life. We talk about shame. We talk about comparison. We talk about judgment. We talk about praise. Where this ends up, Adam really gets it and puts a pin in it right at the end. This is really right in the center of the target of where we've been aiming in the study of Romans about what it means to be established in Christ. And so here we are, mid-conversation, picking it up where we left off in the last podcast. Here are some things that would be flagged that would indicate that you are living out of a performance base. So let me get you to react to each one of these things. The first one I suggested was comparison. Mm. Which is ancient. Right. What do we see in Genesis chapter four other than comparison between Cain and Abel? Mm. Um, And it's corrosive, not just internally, but externally, too. I don't know how any relationship can survive a pervasive comparison. Mm -hmm. Just think about what happens to brothers. Mm -hmm. Think about what happens to marriages when they're even beginning to compare their lives to the married couple next door. Yeah. There's these relationships that are supposed to be central to who we are as human beings. And all of them are damaged by comparison. Yeah. My relationship with myself is damaged. My relationship with God is damaged. My relationship with my neighbor is damaged when I'm comparing. Yeah. If you're comparing, you are looking at a person's, what they've done. You're looking at performance almost always. Yes. Yeah. And I would say the same thing. Just take that right to Jesus. Yeah. Don't immediately try to solve it as much as just admit it. Just repent. Just, you know, fall on your knees. And go, yeah, look at this. I, I have a hole in my soul. You know, God, I need you to fill it. That's where I would go. Okay. What about judgment? Yeah, kind of uh, almost the converse uh, sentiment, right? Because judgment is when I compared and I thought I did better than you. Mm-hmm. And one step more from comparison, <laughs> I look at you and go, uh, you're not doing so good. <laughs> I'm doing so much better than that's you. That's right. Uh-huh. Right. And obviously it, that's also uh, another uh, huge problem here is that it means I don't really believe in the gospel. Why if I think... It's kind of like the problem Jonah faces. If he thinks that Nineveh and the Ninevites don't deserve God's grace, mm. by implication, he's saying that he I does. Do. Yeah, right. And that has happened in my own heart. There's plenty of times yeah. where I'm thinking that person right there doesn't deserve the grace of this neighborhood or this community or this church. And in a sense, I'm saying I have earned that yeah. step. I've earned right. that, that, that seat at the table. And so I haven't, understood God's grace and how radical it really is on my behalf. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was life changing for me to realize 
who in scripture I am most like. I sort of would love to have imagined that I was, you know, one of these disciples, probably very faithful John. He's there to the end. Actually, I think I'm the older brother in the prodigal son story. Mm -hmm. And the thing about the older brother is he did so many things correctly. Yeah. And I don't know that he even said a single thing in the parable that is incorrect, but his heart was rotten. Yeah. And this is something that St. Ignatius talked about, like the, 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 the baptized imagination says, where in this passage do I yeah. belong? And we need to realize we're not the hero of the story no, not usually. over and over and over again. Jesus is the hero of the story yeah, right. and we need to give in to that. Yeah. Otherwise, we're in a pretty dangerous spot. It's yeah. the older brother that's outside the party yeah. at the end of that parable. And mm-hmm. I know I've put myself outside the party so many times yeah. in the same way because I was correct. Yeah. Somehow we've got to get it through our Christian brains that the best place to be is admitting and discovering where you are wrong, where you are in error. Because... Where sin abounds, grace does abound. Yes. The answer isn't that we should sin all the more, but it is true that where sin is, grace abounds in Christ. So to discover that I'm, I'm more like the older brother, yeah, is it, it ends up being a beautiful thing for the Christian. The worst thing you can do is just lie to yourself. Oh, man. Just lie to yourself. Well, I'm not really that. And it's like Jesus knows and he wants to shower grace upon you and, and fill you and change you. But as long as you just stay in the dark, yeah, you, you're not going to... Self-defeating, self-deception. It is. But it's so hard to just humbly admit who we are, when we are that, mm. and subject ourselves to the grace and the empowerment of the Spirit. Yeah, Paul's trying to drive that home in chapter 6 so forcefully that he makes up a word. What is that? Uh, he says, in Adam, death abounds. But in Christ, the second Adam, grace superabounds. <laughs> it's the only place in ancient Greek literature where you see this word. He just took these two words and squished them together. That's super awesome. Superabounds. Super <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's how he translated it. But you could just sort of see this highly intellectual, highly competent Paul going, uh, uh, superabounds. Uh, superabounds. <laughs> and the scribe going, what? <laughs> put them together. Just put them together. Just put it together. Trust me on yeah, that. That's right. Um, another one is seeking praise. Yeah. I mean, that goes back to, uh, we said earlier, like there is this vacuum and we can dress up our need for praise in all kinds of good causes mm-hmm. because I might get praised if I do the right. That's right. Cause. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's it's an eternal hold. It yeah, doesn't yeah. It doesn't get filled up. I I feel like it's one of the. I don't know. Want to say one of the worst. It is completely performance based. When you're seeking praise, you are straight up saying, "Someone, clap for me and my performance." Yes, and it only lasts like maybe a day. Yeah. Right. Uh, I mean, I struggle with this one. I'm on that rat or that that hamster wheel of what have you done for me? You're in a rat race on a hamster wheel. I'm doing it, but that's how bad it is. Right. (laughs) And I I can feel that. Like I can feel the, that praise I received 
is fading. Yeah. I, I need to find another source of praise. Yeah. Like right now, I'm kind of a, a mess. Like you might you might say that my love language is words of affirmation. Yeah. But I don't really believe anything anyone says to me. <laughs> so I'm in trouble, right? Tammy told me once. She said, "I'm just not. I don't. I, it's hard for me to encourage you anymore because I know it just bounces right off." That's the right. And I'm like, I want to say. It kind of goes in, actually. <laughs> it's just a little <laughs> kind of fake and that I don't care. <laughs> yes. But I, I wonder what the shelf life is for me. And I wonder if it's shorter than it was when I was young. Like, I wonder if that's going the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. I worry about it. Mm-hmm. Oh, here's a tough one. I wish I'm not that you can't talk about this, but my wife is really good in the space of shame. Yes. She really understands what's going on in the human heart there. Yeah. And, but I know that it's a, I know that it's a big deal that people live with shame, which is almost always connected to something you've done. Um, on, on the other hand, there's a lot of shame for what's been done to people. Yeah. That's, that's the thing that, uh, I don't know that I totally understood, um, until, you know, maybe through her influence and others where it's people can absorb shame even for someone else's action. Yeah towards them yeah yeah and and i don't even know how to connect that right now probably we probably shouldn't even talk about it that much as i just and just it is beyond my my understanding right now but there is still something performance based about that shame it is still that this person the other person should be other utterly completely blamed for being vicious or evil toward a person <clears throat> but then for some reason that person goes on evaluating themselves for how they behaved in that situation. They didn't fight enough or they, you know, they, or they brought it on themselves or it's all these ridiculous things, but they are blaming themselves and it's, it, it is an issue. It, it needs, it is a performance based thing that, um, they have to take the same steps that anybody else would and come to Jesus and receive healing and forgiveness and grace it's a trap. Yeah. And I think that part of the trap then becomes shame at not being able to overcome shame. Mm. It's almost cyclical. You hear people talk about freedom in Christ and say, oh, I'll give that a try. And then maybe experientially it's not immediate. Mm-hmm. So you think, oh, well, then what's wrong with me? Yeah. It just kind of compounds itself. And there's... There's a road that we walk with Christ and, you know, mental health burdens and things like shame. It's not, it's not always like the shackles just falling off. Right. And I think that's where the Christian community needs to be, you know, on full alert for people, helping them walk that road and say, no, we'll just one day at a time, one moment at a time, we're going to, we're going to walk towards the heart of God together on this because you're experiencing something God never intended for you. Mm -hmm. And I do think it's another one that scripture illuminates really powerfully. If you think back to even the garden, right? What is it? The first thing Adam and Eve experience, Mm -hmm. they've failed to trust God perfectly. And what do they experience for shame? I mean, they're ashamed. They hide, they try to cover up. Yeah. And that's just something we were never meant to experience. Mm. I, we talked about that slippery slope mountain where your behavior pushes you, it, it, lends, it lends you in one of two places, condemnation or pride. 
I feel like there is probably some parallel there with shame where the same emphasis has to be added. It's like it is so difficult to escape it that the only way to escape it is to just keep hanging on to the grace of God and then lack of the non-condemnation that comes from him. Yeah. And that's a really fascinating point because going into the 20th century, a lot of people thought we can do away with shame. We can do away with this sense of guilt. Mm. We just have to get rid of the God construct. Right. If we get rid of the standard, we won't feel guilty anymore. Which is kind of true. Right. So guys like Freud, Sigmund Freud and others were like, yeah, we just have to realize that we created this, you know, father character in the sky. And once we move past that, we won't have this feeling of guilt anymore. Um, But there's this strange, what sociologists call persistence of guilt (laughs) in the 20th century, where people who have abandoned the faith, maybe they're culturally not even in proximity to what faith is and the church and whatsoever. And they still carry this burden with them. And you can see it pop up in certain like social manifestations, like hotlines we can call to confess. Yeah. It's, and it's anonymous, but you, 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 you were so burdened. You had to confess. Yeah. And that's just a human reality. It's, it's not, it's, it's, it's not connected to a belief set. Yeah. It it's is connected to what we started with, which is we are creating the image of God. Right. We are transcendent beings and there's a hole there. That's right. Yeah. That's good. Okay. Um, uh, these other ones, I don't know. I have uh, self-punishment. That could be kind of symptomatic of the others a little mm-hmm. bit, right? Yeah, we just beat ourselves up. Instead. It's like the alternative to going into grace. It's very mosaic or very legal. Like you get your justification by being punished. And I think it's a good observation because I do think it is a real temptation to turn that way. Mm-hmm. Just think of the number of times of people in the church have thought like I'll punish myself so God doesn't have to whether it's the plagues in the middle ages they thought okay get this whip out yeah maybe I won't get the plague because that's obviously him punishing me so so it is it's a very real human impulse yeah yeah there was plenty of early medieval Christians monks priests that they literally were beating themselves yes what they did (laughs) yeah asceticism whether whether that's uh you know starving themselves essentially Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in the name of a spiritual discipline or Mm -hmm. guys like saint francis of assise he kind of initiated his walk with christ this way where he takes a vow of poverty but then he know he's he's waiting in freezing cold water and he's never eating and he's sleeping actually on a cave floor yeah but what you kind of see for him is God's grace woke him up even from that and Mm -hmm. kept pulling him more and more towards the true heart transformation. Yeah. Yeah. Those are awesome stories of how none of things, particular things just don't work to bring a connection with God. The only thing that works is repentance, which is a, this thing we're talking about, this recognition of how we are insufficient. Yeah. And then instead of taking all of these other routes, go to Jesus. It's why it's what God sent him for in the first place. 
And then the other thing that we keep kind of hinting around is, I don't know if it's just the American or Western mindset that ha- this sort of like you go to the gas station and you get filled up and then you leave the gas station until you're out of gas and then you come back. This idea that you come to Jesus, he takes care of your shame issue, your comparison issue, your judgment issue, just like takes care of it. Then you go on. Right. And we say, no, it's not the way it works. It is, it is constant prayer. It is constant receiving of grace. Yeah. Yeah. It's because what we actually need is God's presence. Mm-hmm. We don't, actually just need forgiveness we need forgiveness so that we can enjoy the presence of god what we were built for what we were made for